This morning, I've just got a word that God has laid on my heart for us as we begin this Easter season 2023. And the title of this message this morning is Come and See. Come and See. If you've got a Bible this morning, can you please turn to John chapter 1. John chapter 1. And we're going to read verse 43 to 51 together. John chapter 1 verse 43 to 51. The title of this message is Come and See. It says this, The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, Come, follow me. Philip was from Bethesda, Andrew and Peter's hometown. Philip went to look for Nathanael and told him, We have found the very person Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Nazareth, exclaimed Nathanael. Can anything good come from Nazareth? Come and see for yourself, Philip replied. As they approached, Jesus said, Now here is a genuine son of Israel, a man of complete integrity. How do you know about me? Nathanael asked. Jesus replied, I could see you under the fig tree before Philip found you. Then Nathanael exclaimed, Rabbi, you are the son of God, the king of Israel. Jesus asked him, do you believe this just because I told you I seen you under the fig tree? You'll see greater things than this. Then he said, I tell you the truth. You will, you will see heaven open and the angels of God going up and down on the Son of Man, the one who is the stairway between heaven and earth. You know, it's been so encouraging over the last few months seeing so many new people join our church. If you're a new person here, if you've been joining us even in recent weeks, then we pray that you've been encouraged, that you feel welcome, that you feel blessed. We're so grateful for each and every one of you. And you know, I believe it's God who's doing this. This is nothing to do with us. This isn't about me or advertising or anything like that. Jesus is doing it. The Holy Spirit, God is drawing people to this place. And you know, God has given us a promise as a church. This promise was prophesied over 20 years ago, probably coming up to 30 years ago. And this promise for our church is found in Haggai 2 verse 9. And I read it from the message translation of the Bible. And this is the promise. It says, this temple is going to end up far better then it started out. A glorious beginning, but an even more glorious finish. A place in which I will hand out wholeness and holiness. Decree of God of the angel armies. You know, as a church, we've got an incredible history. An incredible history. We're one of the first churches that was part of the Assemblies of God denomination in the United Kingdom. We've sent as a church over 40 missionaries from this place across the world to preach about Jesus, to declare the good news of Jesus. This church, we've planted churches in years gone by. We've raised up leaders, pastors, and sent people out. We've seen generation after generation come and serve the Lord from this place. God has been faithful to this house. God has been faithful to his people, and we thank God for that. But God has promised us the future is going to be even better. We've got an incredible past, but I believe God's going to do something even more incredible in the days to come. And I believe that involves you and me. And I honestly believe with all my heart that what we've seen happen over the last two or three years is the start of that promise. I believe that we've seen salvation over these last two years. We've seen people take the next step by being baptized. We've seen people become members of this church. We're seeing new people come in week after week. God is moving. Let's not take this for granted. God is moving in this place. And I believe all of that is happening, not because of anything we're doing, but it's because of our God who's moving. 
I believe it's as we are praying, as we're calling upon the Lord, as we're preaching faithfully the word of God, just telling people and pointing people to Jesus that God is moving. I also believe it's because people are inviting other people as well. People are inviting other people. You know, I've heard some of the new people who've been coming along say they found us because someone's personally invited them. They've had an invite card or they've seen us online, the invitations on social media or on our website. Somebody bring in someone else. And you know, this is my responsibility as the pastor. It's Paul's responsibility as the elder. It's our job to tell and bring people and tell people about Jesus. This is our job. But it's not just our job. It's all of our jobs. This is all of our responsibility to tell other people about Jesus, to invite people to come to know Jesus. However, I know, let's get real here this morning. I know that's hard, isn't it? It can be difficult sometimes to talk about Jesus with people. You know, we could talk about everything but Jesus. I'm good at talking about the football with people. I'm good at talking about tennis with people. I could talk about the weather with people if you want. We could talk about that. I'm good at talking about family. I could talk about the economy. I could talk about what's happening in government. Not that I'm very switched on with that, but I got a, you know, a vague idea of what's happening. But I could talk about all those things. But when it comes about talking about Jesus, that can be hard sometimes, can't it? Especially in the society in which we are living in, which is very hard towards the gospel. A country that once knew Jesus. A country where so many people were brought up in Sunday school, where churches were packed out because of God moving in our land. Years ago, our society is a very different place today. People don't know God. We've got a generation who know nothing about God, don't know nothing about Jesus. And I know that it can be difficult to talk about Jesus with friends. It can be hard to talk about Jesus in the workplace. It can be hard to talk about Jesus with our family. I believe one of the reasons why it can be hard is because we're afraid, if we're being honest. We're afraid that people will reject us. We're afraid that people will stop being our friends, won't like us, will make fun of us. We're afraid to tell our family members and friends about Jesus. How do I know this? Because I've experienced it. Even as a pastor, you'll be amazed to know I get scared sometimes. It can be hard. It can be challenging. It can be difficult to tell, especially those who are closest to us who have a relationship with us, who know us, it can be hard sometimes to bring up Jesus in our conversations. But you know, I've got good news for you today. I want to take a little bit of pressure off you this morning. It's not your job to save people. It's not your job. It's not my job to save people. That's Jesus' job. Jesus saves people. Your job and my job is simply to tell other people about Jesus. That's all it is just to talk about Jesus, to tell people about Jesus. And I want to encourage you, especially as we begin Easter and as the Easter season comes along, you know, Georgina and I, we were talking about this, about how people are more open these days, especially around Easter time, to hear about Jesus. They're conscious of Jesus. People will think about Jesus. People will think about church more at this time of year and Christmas, simply because of the advertisement, because of the season that we're in. Fortunately, people still think about Jesus at this time of year. You know, even on Friday morning in our coffee morning, our food bank, I had an opportunity to invite so many people to come along to our Easter services. We've had these Easter leaflets made and I handed out, I don't know, about 10 or 15 leaflets to different people who were coming in to our food bank. You know, people were more open. They were like, oh, you've got Easter services on? So yeah, maybe we'll come along. Maybe I'll bring my kids. Can kids come? You know, I even had one gentleman say, are you sure you want me in your church? 
Are you sure you want me to come along? And I had the privilege of saying to him, church is for you. It's not for holy people. It's for people who realize they need a savior. It's sinners who need the goodness of God. I said, it's for all of us. Come along, my friend. I said, we'd love to see you over this Easter period. It's for all people. And you know, I want to encourage you this morning. This is an amazing opportunity to share about Jesus. Easter is an amazing time to tell people about Jesus. But not just because of Easter. You know, because of all that's happened in our world over the last few years with COVID, there is a hunger in our nation. People are looking for authentic an authentic relationship with God. People are searching. They're looking in every place. But we've got the real answer. We know about the one who can change lives. And not only change lives, raise people to new life. People who are dead in sins and they can bring, our God can bring them to new life. We can tell people about Jesus. We've got an amazing opportunity. So you might be wondering this morning, if, if the fields are white to harvest, if people are ready, if, if it's such a good time to tell people about Jesus, how can we actually do this? How do we tell people about Jesus? Well, we've got an amazing example of this in John chapter 1, which we've read about this morning. And we can read about in a very effective but simple way about inviting people to come to know Jesus. We see, read to you that Jesus, he had been in, in this place called Bethany, which is an area east of the Jordan River, where John had been baptizing people. And Jesus himself was baptized. And whilst Jesus was in this area of Bethany, he was calling different people to follow him. He was choosing his disciples. He was calling people to come and follow him, including Andrew and Simon, who were two of Jesus's 12 disciples, these two brothers. I'm so glad that our God is a God of the family. He doesn't just save individuals, he saves family members. And I'm so thankful for that. And Jesus calls these two men, these young men, Andrew and Simon, these fishermen to be his followers. Then the Bible says in John 1 that after Jesus had finished being in this area, after he began his ministry, he heads to Galilee, this other place. And while he's in Galilee, he meets another man. And this man's name is Philip. Now, Philip, he was a Jewish man and he was more than likely, Bible commentators say, he was more than likely a tradesman or a fisherman because that was the common job back in those times. That's what he did. And, and being a Jewish man, Philip, he would have known about the Old Testament scriptures. He would have been brought up in that religious culture. He would have known about God. He would have heard the stories about Moses, which I've shared about in our communion time today. He would have heard about the prophets. He would have heard as well about the promise that a Messiah was coming that a savior was coming to rescue his people. We see that I'm sure that day Philip was just going about his everyday business. I'm sure he was getting ready for work. I'm sure he was on his way possibly to the sea, ready to go and catch some fish. And then all of a sudden, he comes across this man from Nazareth, this man named Jesus. Now, we don't know about this conversation between Jesus and Philip. We don't know much about what they were saying to one another or, or where they were going or nothing like that. All we know is that Philip encountered Jesus. He encountered the Son of God. But you know what I love is that John notes just the most important part of this conversation. In verse 43 to 44 in John 1, it says, The next day Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, Come, follow me. Philip was from Bethesda, Andrew and Peter's hometown. What we know is that Philip has this encounter with Jesus and he drops everything. He leaves his family, leaves his job, leaves his hometown, and he simply follows Jesus at Jesus' word. 
One encounter with him. Never met him before in his life. But he knew something was different about Jesus. Jesus says, come, follow me. And Philip follows him. He leaves everything behind to follow Jesus. Philip has this personal encounter with Jesus. And I'm sure in that moment he realized this isn't just an ordinary man from Nazareth. This is the son of God. This is God in the flesh. I'm in the presence of God. And so Philip, he has this encounter, gives up everything and follows him. And you know, this is the first step in inviting people to Jesus. Very simple first step is encountering Jesus. Before we tell other people about Jesus, we need to have a personal encounter with Jesus ourselves. We need to know Jesus for ourselves. We need to have a relationship with Jesus. You know, for me, I surrendered my life to Jesus at the age of six. I know it might sound crazy. You might think, Luke, you're only a child. But I remember sitting in my bed, in my parents' bed at the age of six. My dad was reading the Bible to me, a children's Bible to me. And he was sharing about what Jesus has done, his death on the cross and how he rose again. And my dad said to me, Luke, Jesus loves you and he died for you. Would you like to come to know him as you were Lord and your Savior? And I said, yes. And I remember praying that prayer at the age of six and inviting Jesus to come into my life. Now, as you know, as I've shared my testimony, for those of you who know me before, I wandered away from Jesus for a few years during my teenage years. It was a bit of a bumpy ride. But at the age of 16, I remember going to a summer festival with youth, with, uh, uh, with our young people in the youth to Soul Survivor. Over 30,000 young people coming together, this Christian youth conference. And I remember hearing once again the simple message, Jesus loves me. Jesus died for my sins so that I could be forgiven and that I could put my trust in him and have a relationship with him again. And at the age of 16, in that tent in Soul Survivor in Shepdown Mallard, just outside Glastonbury, I had another encounter with Jesus. And I said, Jesus, I'm surrendering my life to you afresh. I want to follow you all the days of my life. And you know, every day after that, Every time after that, I've had more encounters with Jesus. It's throughout my life, God's call on my life. God's speaking to me. Different seasons, God's been there encountering and turning up in my life. You know, what I've discovered is that it's all well and good being brought up in a Christian church. I thank God for my Christian family here. I thank God that I've been brought up here. But you know what I've discovered is that it's not enough to save me. I can't ride on the coattails of my parents' faith. I needed to have a personal encounter with Jesus. I needed to know Jesus for myself as my Savior and as my Lord. I needed to know him for myself as Leonard Ravenhill, a great preacher from the 20th century. He once said this, God has no grandchildren. In other words, you can't come to know Jesus based on your family's faith, based on somebody else's faith. We need to come to know Jesus for ourselves. We need to have a personal encounter with Jesus. I'm so glad that Jesus came and died for the whole world. But no, Jesus came and died for you as well. As it's been said before, if you were the only person who ever lived on this earth, Jesus still would have come and died on the cross for your sins because of his love for you. That's the incredible thing about our God. And before we can tell other people about Jesus, we need to have a relationship with him ourselves. We need to encounter Jesus for ourselves. And if you haven't today, you can. I'm going to give you an opportunity as we come to an end of this message for you to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. But I also want to say very quickly, if you've already given your life to Jesus, if you've already had an encounter with him through hearing about the good news of Jesus, if you've already surrendered your life to Jesus, can I just say you can encounter Jesus every single day, every single day. 
It doesn't stop with a one-stop decision. That's not it. But it's every day we can encounter Jesus through spending time reading the Bible, through prayer, through worship. We can know the presence of Jesus in our lives. We can know Jesus speaking to us day by day. We can meet with our Savior. You don't have to wait till church on Sunday. You can meet Him when you go home. You can meet Him in your bedroom. You can meet Him in your living room. You can meet Him in the car on the way to work tomorrow. You can meet Him in your workplace. You can meet Him in your college. You can encounter Jesus anywhere and everywhere. I'm so glad that that is possible through what Jesus has done. So I want to encourage us, the first step before about sharing Jesus with other people is we need to have an encounter with him for ourselves. Secondly, is to share, share about Jesus. After Philip had this encounter with Jesus, we, do him, we see him do something simple but profound. It says in verse 45 of John chapter one, Philip went to look for Nathanael and told him, we have found the very person Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. After Philip has this encounter with Jesus, what does he do? He goes and tells his friend about it. He goes and tells one of his closest friends and he just simply shares the story of what happened. He shares about his encounter with Jesus. Now this guy, Nathaniel, I'm not on about my brother. I'm not talking about him. But this man, Nathaniel, he was a close friend of Philip's and he also he was a Jewish man. He would have known about Jesus and about the law of Moses. So he would have known what Philip was talking about here. Nathaniel he was probably a co-worker with Philip as well, although Bible commentators say that he was in the civic se- sector of work. That's what Nathaniel would have done. But Nathaniel, he would have known the Old Testament. He would have known about this coming Messiah. And so after Philip has this encounter with Jesus, he goes straight to Nathaniel and tells him, look, The one who we've been studying about all these years, the one we've been reading about all these years, he's finally here. Jesus has come, the Messiah, the Savior of the world has come. He goes and shares with Nathaniel all that has happened. And that's what you and I to do. That's what we are to do. After we encounter Jesus, simply share about our encounter with Jesus. Share our story. Share what our life was like before Jesus. Or share about what Jesus has done and what he is doing in and through our lives, all the changes that has happened in our lives. That's what Philip did. That's all he did. He said, I have an encounter with Jesus. And he tells Nathaniel about him. He shares it with his closest friend. And you know, the people who we are to share about Jesus with is those in our spheres of influence. It's our friends. It's our family members. It's our work colleagues. That's who we are called to share Jesus with. You know, sometimes we try and reach the whole world for Jesus, but we forget those closest to us. It's the ones who are closest to us we need to start with. Those near us, we need to try and reach those for Jesus and share with those about Jesus. Now, as Nathaniel, as uh, Philip shares to Nathaniel about Jesus, we can see this interesting response from Nathaniel. It says in verse 45 to 46, it says, Philip went to look for Nathaniel and told him, we found the very person Moses and the prophets wrote about. His name is Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. Listen to Nathaniel's response. Nazareth? Can anything good come from Nazareth? Come and see for yourself, Philip replied. You know, Nathaniel, he was a bigot and he was a skeptic. He didn't believe Philip at first. Even though Philip shared his story, he didn't believe Philip straight away. We see here that Nathaniel was rejecting Philip and rejecting his story about Jesus. He didn't want to know Jesus. Can I just say, 
Just when we share about Jesus, when we tell people about Jesus, don't expect them to straight away surrender their lives to, to Jesus. Expect sometimes people to, to question, expect people to doubt, and expect people not to believe or respond straight away. Expect that in our lives. Don't be afraid of rejection. In fact, as people of God, we should, we should embrace that. Get ready for that and welcome that because it's more of an opportunity to pray and keep going and keep, keep pressing on for people. So we see here Nathaniel, he doubts Philip and he begins to reject Philip's message. Really? Is the Savior really from Nazareth? Really? I can't believe that. There's no way for, for that to happen. But what we see happen next is the third step, very simply. What we see Philip do is very powerful. See, read in verse 46, it says, Nathaniel exclaimed, Nazareth exclaimed Nathaniel, can anything good come from Nazareth? And Philip replies to him, come and see for yourself. Philip encounters Jesus. He shares about Jesus, but then he invites Nathaniel to come and see for himself. He tells Nathaniel, if you don't believe me, come and check it out for yourself. Come and check it out for yourself. And you know, that's what we should do as well. So often we stop at the point of just telling people our story, telling people what Jesus has done, but we forget the most important part, inviting people to come to know Jesus for themselves. That's the most important part of all. We can't leave it on a, cl on a cliffhanger. We've got to invite them to know Jesus. We've got to invite them. If my father never said after I read about Jesus and knew about Jesus, if he never asked me to know Jesus, who knows where I'd be right now? We need to invite people to come and see for themselves. You know, we see that we need to be bold and, and undeterred and invite people to come and see. Invite people to come along to church. I want to encourage you to do all that. When was the last time you invited a non-Christian to church? When was the last time you invited somebody to come along to church? I want to encourage you to invite them to come to church. I'm so glad for, I'm so thankful for the Alpha course that we run as a church where people can come with their questions, with their doubts, and, but it's an opportunity to, uh, for us to invite them. Invite them to Alpha. Invite them to read the Bible. Invite them to pray. Invite them to have conversations with you. We are to invite people to have an encounter with Jesus. That should be our cry. Come and see. Look what Jesus has done. Come and see. Come and see for yourself. Come and check it out for yourself. As I said, we don't want people coming to know Jesus just because of us or what we've experienced. We want people to encounter Jesus for themselves. That's what we want. And so we need to invite people. Come and see. And then finally, as we come to a conclusion, there's one final step. Encounter Jesus for yourself. Share your story about what Jesus has done. Invite people to come and see. But then we got one final step. And that is trust. We need to trust. You might say, who are we to trust? Well, it says here in John chapter 1, verse 47 to 51. As they approached Jesus, Nathaniel and Philip, as they approached Jesus, Jesus said, now here is a genuine son of Israel, a man of complete integrity. How do you know about me? Nathaniel asked. Jesus, uh, Jesus replied, I could see you under the fig tree before Philip found you. Then Nathaniel exclaimed, Rabbi, you are the son of God, the king of Israel. Jesus asked him, do you believe this just because I told you I'd seen you under the fig tree? You'll see him greater things than this. Then he said, I'll tell you the truth. You will all see heaven open and the angels of God going up and down on the Son of Man, the one who is the stairway between heaven and earth. Just to circle back to the beginning of this message, as I said at the very start, only Jesus can save. Only Jesus can save. All we can do 
share about what Jesus has done and invite people to come and check it out, come and check out Jesus for themselves. But what happens after that is between them and Jesus. It's between them and God. And I want to encourage you this morning, trust Jesus. Trust Jesus because he knows what he's doing and only he can save. Trust him this morning. Philip knew that if he just simply led Nathaniel to Jesus, Jesus would take care of the rest. Jesus will do the rest. Jesus will save him. Jesus would do that. And we this morning have to trust that our Savior is still mighty to save. He is still mighty to save. That loved one that you have that doesn't know Jesus, Jesus can still save them. Two years ago, I seen my grandfather in this very service who didn't know Jesus. I seen him raise his hand to accept Jesus as Lord and Savior at the age of 78 years old. All my life, I never thought I doubted Jesus and God forgive me for that. But you know, we kept praying. There were times where we doubted, but we trusted Jesus. And at God's right time, he saved my grandfather. All my life, I've known my uncle who didn't know Jesus, who wandered away from Jesus. We prayed for him. And then a couple of months after my grandfather got saved, my uncle recommitted his life to Jesus. All those years, 30 years away from Jesus, yet Jesus saved him and brought him back to himself. And I want to say to you this morning, our Savior is still mighty to save. He can save your loved ones. Trust him. He knows what he is doing. He knows how to reach people. He knows what's going on in people's lives. He knows how to save people. He's still able to save this morning. And all we need to do is trust that in his way and in his time, he'll save. He'll save. All we have to do is invite people and share and leave the rest to God. Leave them in the hands of our wonderful, loving Savior. Because our Savior wants to save them more than you want them to get saved. Trust me on that one. As it says in John 3, 16 to 17, For this is how God loved the world. He gave His one and only Son so that everyone who believes in Him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent His Son into the world not to judge the world, but to save the world through Him. And the good news this Easter is Jesus is still saving still able to save, still has the power to save, still has the power to transform lives. And so as we come to an end of this message this morning, as we come to a conclusion, I want to encourage you this Easter, put this message into practice. Don't just be a hearer of this word this morning, be a doer of this word as the Bible encourages us. Encounter Jesus, share about Jesus, invite people to come and see and trust Jesus and watch what God will do. You know, these invites that are on your seats this morning, I want to personally invite every one of you to come along to our Easter services. That's my invite this morning. That's your invite this morning. I'm personally inviting you, come to Gateway Church this Easter, celebrate with us this Easter, celebrate the good news of Jesus. But you know, this invite on your seat this morning, it's not for you. This is not for you. But I want to encourage you this Easter, think of one person who you can invite and say, come and see. Come and see this Easter. Come and encounter Jesus. 
Come and see what Jesus has done in my life. Let me tell you how he's changed my life. Let me tell you how he saved me. Let me tell you how he's helped me. Let me tell you how he's been there for me. Let me tell you how he's rescued me. Let me tell you how he's been faithful in my life. Let me tell you how he's performed miracles in my life. Let me tell you about my savior. Come and see. And so I want to encourage you. Don't leave this invite on your seat this morning. Take it with you and pray and think about one person, just one. I'm not asking you to reach the world. Just reach one person. And invite them to come along. And then I want you to do the hardest thing of all. Trust Jesus with it. Trust God. Pray for that person. Trust Jesus that he'll do what only he can do. And so this Easter time, may, this, may we say this more than anything else over these next coming, coming weeks to people around us. May our words be, come and see. <laughs>